0: Welcome back to Cartoon Cast, a fortnightly podcast hosted by two adults who aren't ashamed to proclaim their love for cartoons. I'm Christina Warren,
1: and I'm Micah Sargent, and this week we are going to be throwing it back, folks. We're talking about cartoons we loved from our childhood back whenever Christina and I were just little kids, little rugrats running around. Uh, these are the shows that we, you know, that really stuck with us, and even today we can turn back on and get just as much joy out of them. So, you know, Christina, I'm curious, what were your favorite shows as a kid?
0: You know, there are so many because I loved cartoons as a kid. Because who didn't? Love cartoons as a kid. Um, but I think that one of the earliest shows that I loved as a kid was The Jetsons.
1: Meet George Jetson. <laughs>
0: the the classic Hanna-Barbera show, which, you know, on, on its surface, it's just, you know, the, the Flintstones in modern times, but it's so good. I love that show so much because it's this great blend
1: of retro... Future, absolutely. And it uh, the way that it kind of juxtaposed the Flintstones, while also still kind of having that same feel, was really interesting. So yeah, it's like retro modernism.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It certainly didn't go on as long as the Flintstones. Like the Flintstones had distinct phases, and and I'm going to talk about the Flintstones when I talk about the Jetsons because the two were kind of interchangeable. You know, I mean, it was basically kind of the same conceit, a lot of the same types of characters, a lot of the same voices, um, but one was in the future and one was in the past. The Jetsons, though, what I always really liked about it as a kid, and I didn't realize this until I was an adult, was like I loved, you know, kind of the – that true retro future stuff because it was so clearly like they're saying, okay, you've got the flying cars and you've got the robot maid and you've got this other stuff. It also was very much like right out of the 1960s, like, you know, in terms of just the outfits and and, and the music and, and everything else. And I loved that. And, and it wasn't until I was older and I realized it was the 60s and I was like, oh, this is great. This is so retro future. And um, – I just, uh, I love Judy Jetson.
1: Would you excuse me,
0: please, Daddy? This is a private call. She's my favorite, I think, like, uh, animated uh, teenager.
1: You know, there wasn't any single character that I, you know, found myself more attached to in that show per se, but I really, I don't know, I just really loved the robot and remind me of the robot's name. Rosie. It's
0: Venusian vegetable delight. (laughs) Venusian delight? I hate that dish more than anything in the universe seconds mr j rosie are you out to lunch this stuff is my least favorite dish
1: rosie i just loved rosie
0: rosie was great rosie was great she didn't take any she didn't take any ish from anyone exactly. you know she <laughs> just did not care she could not be bothered with george and uh and 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 jane um elroy was fine i mean he was cute you know goes to little dipper school i think i liked judy because again she just did not care <laughs> what's really interesting to me is that like living in you know, the Jetsonian future now, uh, you know, how different things are, but how kind of, it wasn't prescient in any ways, but it was sure a lot of fun you know? But I think that a lot of us still see the future as flying cars because of the Jetsons. At least I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I didn't necessarily start watching it until a little later, but still to I, I'm still going, where's my flying car? And yes. I think that there are certain things from that show. I mean, it would be awesome to have a robotic maid and, <laughs> who who kind of reminds me of my grandmother in some ways. <laughs> and also, you know, the most important thing that I still don't have today, and don't even try to tell me that Soylent is this because it is isn't. <laughs> <laughs> not as people. I want the food pills. I really really want the food pills. I can remember growing up and like um going outside and picking little berries from trees and I didn't eat them, so don't worry, I'm still alive. I'm still here, but I would always pretend that they were food pills because I thought that was so cool. And to this day, can you imagine if if you didn't have to spend the time? Like <sighs> don't get me wrong. I love a good plate of um ravioli on Thanksgiving, Christina, whatever. <laughs>
0: That is what I did on Thanksgiving.
1: Uh, no, I love a good a good plate of food, but when it when it boils down to it, if I could not have to eat, and I could oh, use that no. time for something else, and just have like the Willy Wonka yes, food, that's pill, what ah. I want.
0: I want the Violet Beauregard pill. It's tomato soup. I can actually feel it running down my throat. Um, I was in the play Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as a kid, and I was Violet. No, and you were not. Yes, I was. Yes, oh I was. Gosh. Yes, I was. I had to wear like a little blow up suit underneath that would like inflate as like, she's going through the blueberries saying, "Strawberries taste like Snazberries.
1: Your memory is unstoppable. I mean, as you're going back and listing all of these dates, I'm like, wow, it was the best idea to have Christina come <laughs> and join me talking about all of these shows because you can be like, yes, in 1987 they launched this. But it it only lasted for a year because this happened. Right. <laughs> I mean
0: part of that is Wikipedia as we're doing this, but I will admit me like straight up memorizing still memorizing my lines from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the play that I did when I was like thirteen years old.
1: So so do you have a, a favorite episode of the Jetsons or a favorite theme in the Jetsons or, or anything like that? Is there anything that really sticks out to you now looking back on it?
0: Um I just I just I just loved, I think just the, the universe it was in. I, I don't really remember a lot about the plots of the episodes. You know, George gets into some sort of hijinks, um things almost fall apart. Um you know, usually it's his wife and Rosie the maid to the rescue. Part of the magic of, of the the Jetsons is even though it only aired, you know, for like one or two seasons in the 60s and then came back in the 80s um because of i a, a kind of the weird retro future aspect and then also just kind of the timelessness of the stories plenty of kids could watch in the 80s or 90s or i guess even the 2000s i don't know if kids i think today kids might have a hard time with the with the Jetsons and the Flintstones sadly but i feel like you know for a lot of kids you could just kind of get into it and be like oh yeah this is believable there's nothing wrong with this
1: I, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, I can't imagine my younger siblings being that into uh, the Jetsons. Um, perhaps the Flintstones, simply because I mean there was a lot of, of humor there that I think kids today might not necessarily latch onto. Look
0: at that, Bam Bam. He won't make a move without his barbell.
1: Oh, okay, Bam Bam. Th- that's enough. Drop it. <laughs> no, right. See how he listens to me? But with the, uh, with the Flintstones, at least it's like, let's go back to that time and put it in that time. Totally. Uh, but with the Jetsons, it's like, the, you know, we're imagining a future that is close to the one in which we exist. And so I don't know if they can get enough.
0: They don't really understand. Right. It's like having the computers, everything again looks old. You know, even when I was growing up and I'm, I'm, I'm an old, you know, it was like, oh, okay, you know, the computers are completely different back then. And, and it was a, their projection of what the computers would be were completely different. Uh, well I
1: I was actually wanting to ask you is there anything in the Jetsons that uh, you you remember that you don't remember so fondly I guess is there anything there that you know sticks out as kind of a a bummer or an error in any sense
0: well it's it sometimes got kind of boring I mean I loved the show and it's one of my favorites but if I'm thinking back about it it would kind of get to the point where it seemed a little monotonous because they didn't have a lot of I think what it was is that they predicted this future where everybody's living in these kind of floating houses and these flying cars and you've got all this technology but as a lot of futuristic um kind of representations are it seems kind of barren so you don't have a lot of different locations you can go it's like okay i'm inside a house it's okay i'm floating in in the air but i'm not in space and i'm not like on the ground i can't go exploring so you've i felt i think that probably would be the limitations of just the areas
1: you know the, the one thing that, that sticks out to me and it's only because of um the, the way that that you know our culture has changed and adapted over time. As I still think of that doggone pesky part where they're all flying. It's it's during the intro. Jane, his wife, and she like she goes to grab money from him, or he hand he's going to hand her money, but then she takes his whole wallet. And it's funny, but it's also like uh you know that's that's not really how how things work uh today. But oh
0: no, the show is so sexist. The show is so sexist, and 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 it was clear even like when we were even watching it as a kid. But at the same time. You you know the, the but it was sexist but it also it was sexist but you know what i think it worked in a weird way because i'll i'll defend it a little bit this way the same way the flintstones was sexist but if you notice on the on the flintstones wilma always wins and on the jetsons jane always wins beyond the shadow of a doubt and oh no george are you trying to tell me something forget it <laughs> Why don't you ask your boss, Mr. Spacely, for a raise? Because the boss is a penny pinching old crab, that's why. <laughs> Someday I'm gonna give that door a shot right in its electric eye. POW! They clearly run the household, and, you know, they might stay home and not work and whatnot, and and it might be, you know, buying into the trope of, you know, you know the, the wife's just taking all of my money and going shopping and whatnot. But she always wins. And kind she's, of always saves the day, too. She's the HBIC. <laughs> there is something to be said about the fact that the fundamental lesson you're taking away from it. Especially as a kid, is the woman wins?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that is uh, a very good takeaway for that. Uh, any last thoughts on the Jetsons, or do you have any more shows from your childhood you'd like to talk about?
0: So yes, yeah, so my uh, my other show I'd like to talk about, and there's so many I could talk about, but I think one of my favorites, and I think really an underrated show, um, is a uh, Doug. Doug. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so there were actually two dogs. There was the original Nicktoons Doug. Which, along with Brennan Stimpy and Rugrats, were part of the original, you know, um, uh, three cartoons that Nickelodeon introduced, I believe, in 1991. Um, I'm not looking this up, so I'm going by memory on that. And uh, it ran for, you know, 65 episodes, which I believe is basically your standard allotment for a cartoon kind of runs in 65 episodes. And I think there were two segments per episode. And Jim Jenkins created the show. And what I love about Doug is Doug was just this great, like, everyman kid right? Like he just, he really was just this average kid. He lived in Bluffington. Yeah, he lived in Bluffington. You know, he was just very, very average. And I loved that there was nothing special about him, even his alter ego, a uh, quail man. That's the quail call. The cry of someone in trouble. Quail man. Dun, 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 dun. Like it was completely just um, not anything special he had a belt around his head for for goodness sake and underwear on outside and (laughs) and you know and 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 he loved his beats you know i love doug i think the doug is one of like those perfect cartoons because it really did encapsulate what it's kind of like to be a kid because most of us are average you know some of us are have different things going on. But like you always come sometimes, I think we've all had those moments where you feel like you kind of don't stand out. And that was what was interesting about Doug is that he was so average. And then he's in this world where everybody else is like all these different colors, right? right? Like, you know, Skeeter is blue and, and and Patty is has blonde hair and brown skin. And B.B. Uh, Bluff is purple and Roger Klotz is green. And, you know, the, the dinks are purple too. I mean, there's just all these different kind of characters and, and situations. And he's just like... He's plain. He's, he's kind of boring, but at the same time, he's got a great imagination and he writes in his journal kind of like Doogie Hauser and narrates the whole thing. Um, i love doug i love that show so much his sister is a drama queen and and as a kid who was definitely a drama queen i uh, definitely loved his sister and she was older and i had an older sister and so i kind of related to what it's like when you kind of have an outsized figure in your family who can be a little bit crazy but now what were you going on about judith i am never speaking to you again
1: to me, the thing about Doug more than anything else is that there are shows that you kind of watch for enjoyment and, uh, and laughs. And then there are shows that you watch for enjoyment, but you watch kind of to, to learn things. And it really did seem like Doug was one of those shows where it's, where, like you said, it was this very relatable character, but the episodes, it was very Sesame Street in the way that it was, you know, going through these normal situations in life and kind of watching how Doug dealt with them and how Doug handled them. And then you could kind of take cues from that and use those in your own life.
0: Completely, completely. And it was interesting too, because it was episodic and... Um, and it was kind of one offs, like a lot of you didn't have to you could pick up and watch anywhere, you didn't have to really know what was going on. But if you watched through the whole run, you know, certain characters would appear later in certain situations would kind of be referenced, you know, and you would kind of get a sense of where things were, which is unique for a lot of those types of shows where there's not continuity typically with cartoons. You know, there, it, it's common now, but I think that especially like in 1991, having continuity across a, a, a television show was was kind of a, a cartoon show was kind of a new concept, and and the fact that there was not a ton, but there was continuity. You know, kind of this un unre- you know his his pining after Patty Man Patty Mayonnaise. You know, the fact that he just loved her so much. There was a song, you know. You know Patty, you're the pickle on my coleslaw. You know, like just <laughs> – you just, you know, sing, you know, this uh, something on his banjo. Um, la, la, la. Patty, you're the pickle on my coleslaw. Patty, you're the sugar in my tea. Patty, you're the relish on my hot dog. And Patty, you're the mayonnaise for me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so Doug aired on Nickelodeon where it was produced from 91 to 94 and – and it, it continued to air. I think even now there, there are probably uh, places on certain Nickelodeon networks that air reruns. But what happened was... Um after, I guess, starting in 1996, it was the fall of 96, I remember, when this happened, Disney actually bought Jumbo Productions or Jumbo Pictures, which was the company that made the show, and they wanted Doug. And so they bought the show and kind of created a sequel series of sorts. What's interesting about the, Disney's Doug um, is that the characters were the same, but it was a year later. So it was like everything that happened when he was in sixth grade, you know, happened on Nickelodeon, and you had these same characters albeit with different voice actors. So the voice of Doug was different. The voice of Roger was different.
1: Dear Journal, you'll never guess what happened today. Principal White called an assembly to announce a big change that would affect everybody at B.B. Bluff Middle School.
0: Which was jarring. The animations were also a little bit different. And they were now at... Um, Before they were at junior high, now they were at BB Bluff Middle School. And uh, it was a weird sort of transition. I remember those shows as being good. The difference, too, was that on the Nickelodeon show, you had two, like, 10 minute episodes, to 12 minute episodes per half hour. But you had two fundamentally different stories. Whereas on Disney's Doug, you had one story that would last the entire half hour. And, and, and the content on Disney's Doug was a little bit more mature. They were dealing with more kind of, you know, growing up sorts of issues. And I think more things targeted probably towards a slightly older crowd. Um, there even was a Doug movie, which, uh, I have seen. I hate to admit that. Um. <laughs> I did not see it in the theater because I was way too old, but I did rent it on like video or DVD when I was like in high school. Hey, no
1: judgment here. I mean, we're doing a podcast about tunes.
0: I I know, but this is, I was going to say my tune fandom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's for real. It's the real deal. It it is for real.
0: (laughs) It is the real deal. And what I think was interesting about Disney's Doug, even though it was not as good of a show as the Nickelodeon show, um, was the fact that uh, they did continue kind of those characters arc of growing up. Um, which you don't see on cartoons. Right. You don't see them age. You know they typically live in a in, in one period of time and don't age. And and that's for a lot of reasons. A, a big part of it is obviously a- animating aging is really difficult. I mean, the only comic strip that I can ever recall even doing aging at all was uh for better or for worse, which I don't even think exists anymore. Did you ever read that comic strip?
1: It's probably come up a few times. The the name sounds familiar, and so that's why I'm thinking yes.
0: And well, what was really interesting about that. A comic was that she did over the course of its... So it ran from 1979 to 2008, and what was interesting about that was that it did age. The characters aged, characters died, like pets died. The uh, artists who did that did a good job of that. But most animated shows, you know, you can't really age because a... um. Especially with shows like for Nickelodeon and whatnot, they create them knowing that they're going to go in spurts. people are going to watch them, you know, during for certain ages, and then new people are going to come in and start over from the beginning. And so it doesn't make a ton of sense to try to have people
1: grow exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, that that especially, I, you know, whenever you first kind of mentioned that there almost doesn't seem to be a point because some... Most people, unlike you and I, kind of grow out of our our uh, tune watching phase, and totally. so why you know why have these these characters that are who they are kind of uh, age with the people who watch them as a kid? Well, doggone it, because I want to watch them when I'm older. But you know, not everybody listens to me.
0: <laughs> well, that was what was interesting about I think Doug was that it had these two distinct periods. You know, it had the the Nickelodeon era, which was him as like a twelve year old, and then it had him as like a thirteen year old, and and they were totally different. Um, you know, just uh shows and, and but it was the same characters and that was really fascinating, I think. And 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 that's uh something when I think back on it I think is really interesting. What's interesting too historically is that Doug came back about the same time that Rugrats went back into production and both of those events were pretty um Unheard of at the time. So, you know, Nickelodeon created episodes of, of Ren and Simpy and, and until they had kind of issues with the creator and then he was fired and then they continued to do things and then they did Rugrats and they did Doug. And once they were done by like 94, they were like, okay, well, we're not going to do any new episodes, mm-hmm. you know, we can just run these and reruns in perpetuity. Um, but especially in the case of Rugrats, the show became insanely successful, like it became not just the most successful show on Nickelodeon, but the most successful show on on, on basic cable. And, you know, reruns, you know, at four or five o'clock in the afternoon of, of, of Rugrats in 1996 were genuinely getting like millions of viewers. And it, it was it was unheard of. And so they were like, OK, well, we got to put this back in production. And, uh, you know, 20 years ago, nobody ever would have thought 25 years ago, nobody ever would have thought that you could continue to to do shows to revive them, let alone. I mean, reviving an animated show um, is rare enough. You know, it happens very few times. Um when it's not done for kind of a known property, you know, a Scooby-Doo sort of thing. But, you know, reviving it for the same network and reviving it within the span of a couple of years because the audience demand for it is so great is is truly remarkable. Um, and, and it's interesting, too, I think, Doug, the fact that it switched networks. And it's funny, on the internet, on like the kind of the Doug fandoms and the Doug tumblers, you'll have people who kind of go into one camp or the other. You know, it depends on what they grew up with. And so there are some kids, I think, who only know the Disney's Doug and love that. Uh, most of us, you know, are, are on the right side of history and, and love the the Nickelodeon Doug because that's obviously I think people more people have seen yes. that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the Nickelodeon Doug is the one that sticks with me. And you know, I never had because because Rugrats was another show that did the uh, and and it was much later, uh, mind you. But they also did the let's show them older thing. Oh
0: yeah, all grown yeah. up, all grown up. Yeah, that started as a one off special I think for like its tenth anniversary. Um, They did like a half hour special, and then that was so successful that Nickelodeon went ahead
1: and commissioned a show based on it. And I just, I don't know, I, perhaps I'm just uh, an old soul or something, but I'm all about the original kind of thing.
0: Same. And it was just kind of a weird thing. It was kind of, it was great to see in like a one-off special to see what happens when they grew up. Like that was, again, it was like 10 years after the show premiered. They wanted to do a thing. What if they'd actually aged? That was great. And that was genius. And I thought that was really smart. But then to create a whole series based on that, and I mean, I think the series only aired for a season or two. and didn't live up to, you know, their 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 ratings expectations, and so they they stopped it. Um And I think for the same reason, you know, it's hard to do it correctly. I think Doug did it right. i I, I, I mostly missed the voice actors who left the 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 voice actor who took over after Billy West um was not as good and and billy west i think also was roger's voice and so there was just kind of this this sense that that wasn't that wasn't as great but the, the stories were still very good um i don't know there's just something about doug that you know watching that as an as a elementary school kid and then like early middle school kid you know i i can relate to that show so much even now uh when i think back about it you know i think we all had that that feeling of not standing out enough not being special enough just you know kind of blending into the background
1: yeah and speaking really quickly to the the colors of the show uh and this is perhaps getting a little floaty but still you know it was they were all just kind of canvases on which to paint your own life and especially with Doug where he was just this this plain character and so i don't know i really like shows where there uh is is one or more relatable characters. And I think that that especially helps as a kid growing up trying to kind of uh, find yourself. Uh, yep. and, and I know that's cliche, but still we, we all do it and, and kind of, you know, oh. In this episode, blah, blah, blah is dealing with, um, trying to just be friends with this person, uh, but the other person maybe doesn't want to just be friends. And how do you deal with that? And, and then there's, you know, an episode where we talk about the, uh, platonic relationship and stuff like that. And it's, it's nice to have, uh, you know, the shows again where you laugh and where you chuckle, um, or you, you find wonderment like the Jetsons. And then the shows where you can actually kind of take away something and use those things in your life. So it's really nice that there were writers out there producing these kinds of shows as well.
0: Yeah. And the last thing I'll say on that was, I think that the colors, the, the fact that they were all these different palettes, you know, the race was was not an issue. Everybody was a different color and it, it didn't matter. Um, So it was dealt with, I think, in a way that was very ahead of its time and very of its time, because that's definitely you know the early 90s where more attention was being called to diversity especially in cartoons but i feel like it did it in a way that wasn't preachy and that was kind of showing yeah it doesn't i mean who cares that bb is purple right. and that Skeeter's blue like i think the funnies were the only people in the entire thing that were like what we would call white which is which uh which i i think I'm sure it was by design, and was really interesting.
1: For sure, and again, kind of ahead of its time in in certain ways.
0: I know. I want to hear from you. What are some of your favorite shows as a kid?
1: Well, I mentioned in the last uh, or in the first uh, episode we recorded that SpongeBob SquarePants was my show growing up, and so now is the perfect time to talk about it because we're doing the throwback. So, oh uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: get another Nicktoon. Love it, love it. Let's talk about your show.
1: Okay, so of course, as as you've mentioned, and as we know, SpongeBob Square. Pants is still going on, and I have to say, I don't watch it uh, these days as much as I used to. But every once in a while, right. whenever there's nothing else out there, I'll just pop on an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, and I know that I can be delighted by it. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants! Absorbent in yellow and porous disease! SpongeBob SquarePants! Um, that show, so growing up, we didn't have, we had like cable or, or satellite or something, but it was only in the main room, we couldn't afford to have all of the extra boxes in the other rooms. And so um, the, the kids bedroom had a television, but we didn't have a, um, a box or anything. So we had a VCR player. Uh, and so for <laughs> Christmas, we would get um, VCR tapes and they would you know be series of shows and eventually we did get a dvd player whenever the time came and it was again um just multiple seasons of shows and so we had a lot of series and seasons of spongebob and we had a few others but spongebob was kind of the the main one and there for a while i could quote most of the episodes and the, the reason why i think i like spongebob so much is because it's one of those those laughing shows it's just an enjoyable kind of thing that can fade into the background if you want to or it can be right in front of you and you can kind of, you know, really pay attention to it and and really uh, get something out of it. So, SpongeBob is this this character who just has so much zest for life. Ah! Like literally everything he does he loves so much
0: he's so excited he's so excited yes
1: he's a bundle of joy and excitement and it doesn't matter what he's doing whether he's feeding his pet snail gary meow, or he is uh hanging out with his friend patrick or he's at work which is like his his main love which oh
0: he loves he loves his job and he has the worst job in the world and he does not know and he does not care there it is The finest eating establishment ever established for eating, the Krusty Krab,
1: home of the Krabby Patty. Yeah, he's he's literally a, a burger flipper. He's that thing that people um like to use as kind of a derogatory term whenever they're like, "Oh, you're not going to school? We'll have fun flipping burgers." Well, SpongeBob SquarePants loves flipping burgers, and he just he's such an innocent soul, and that's why you know there were a lot of a lot of the cartoons kind of surrounding spongebob there was a lot of um more gritty not necessarily gritty but just not as much innocence as there is in this show um and i'm not i don't know what it is that exactly kind of like made this show such a a cultural phenomenon but there were adults and kids alike who love the show and obviously stoners yes yeah, especially stoners and i think that you know that's that's why it's still around today and uh, so. The cast of characters is probably my main love of this show. You've got, like I said, Spongebob, who's just zest for life is out the window. You've got Patrick, which is this, uh, he's just, he's so dumb.
0: If your parents got to meet a real dummy, they'd realize what a genius you really
1: are. but don't genius live in a lamp and it's okay that he's so so dumb because he's he's again he's one of these innocent people and he just kind of like he cares about the things that he cares about and he doesn't know the things that he doesn't know and he's okay with that and he's still made it in life he's
0: totally okay with that he's great he's just he's also totally happy and he and spongebob are such great
1: friends yes exactly and uh really the episode where uh he and spongebob raise the the clam is pretty funny I'll take care of this! No, Patrick! It's totally helpless! It looks like he can't even fly yet. So there's Mr. Krabs, who is uh, Spongebob's boss, and he is just in love with money more than anything else in the world. And his whole point, his whole... uh, Any decision he makes, he makes based on what money he can make.
0: All we need to do is get your confidence back. So you can make me more money! Uh, I mean,
1: uh, patties. <laughs> and then there's Squidward, which is the the Spongebob <laughs> foil. He is yes. just, he he has the exact opposite of zest for life. Everything He's is... He's
0: the Mr. Furley, or, 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 or Mr. Roper, <laughs> if, if you will. <laughs> yes,
1: he, just everything is is bad, and especially Spongebob. You know, that zest for life, he can't stand. Hey,
0: Squidward, do you want me to cast out over here so you can watch me?
1: How about you cast out over there so I can ignore you? And, and to be fair, Squidward Edward has zest for life in pretty much two areas, which are uh, the arts and music. And so he, he loves his <laughs> clarinet, which he doesn't play very well. And he loves his art, which is all artwork of himself. He's incredibly self-absorbed.
0: <laughs> Hello, you've reached the house of unrecognized talent. Please
1: start after that. And last but not least, um, you know, there are a few other characters. But the, the other one that I want to touch on really quick is Plankton which is mm-hmm. the arch nemesis of um, Mr. Krabs Mr. Krab, yes yeah. and, and Plankton his main purpose is to steal the Krabby Patty formula so so the place where uh, Spongebob works is a uh, just like a restaurant kind of like a Burger King or something like that it's like Burger
0: like King or McDonald's yeah. yeah and
1: so they make burgers there and uh, Plankton he works at the Chum Bucket which is across the street from um, the Krusty Krab and he is uh, just leads an incredibly unsuccessful life and business and his wife is a robot, and he just wants to be successful. So he's always constantly trying to steal the ingredients, the the, the recipe to make the Krabby Patty, so that he can uh, be successful in his life and um, uses SpongeBob to his advantage. Don't get
0: worked up again, Plankton. I just mapped the floors. Oh, Karen, my computer wife. If only I could have managed to steal the secret to crab success, the formula for the Krabby Patty. <sighs> And Spongebob is who is so trusting, just doesn't pick up on the fact that he's being used, which is the best part. And it's so sad. And You just want to be like, Spongebob, no. Don't do it, no. Spongebob,
1: please. And the funny thing is, his innocence often gets him out of accidentally revealing the formula in many cases. And so, uh, you know, the the another thing that I really love about the show is that, again, this is one where you can pretty much pick up anywhere and get something out of the show. But there are these underlying uh, plot points, which is always that plot. That, uh, LinkedIn is trying to get the formula, and SpongeBob is always trying to learn how to drive a boat because they go to boating school. Um, and Mr. Krabs is, of course, looking for for new ways to make money. And uh, also the the other character that I forgot to mention, but that I adore so much, her name is Sandy Cheeks.
0: Sandy, oh my god, <laughs> she is a squirrel Sandy
1: from Texas cheeks. who yes. has decided to live in an underwater dome. Um, yeah <laughs> which is just so many great episodes happen in sandy's place
0: yes and what's great about sandy is you know she can't be with them all the time they have to come up to land to be with her but she desperately wants to be part of their world like she's truly kind of the fish out of water but she's the
1: best yeah she's so smart she's a scientist and um she she really does she cares about spongebob and occasionally patrick
0: occasionally patrick Uh,
1: very much and they love her as well Uh, and there's actually this whole episode about her uh wanting to go back to Texas, which right now we cue the hilarious music. I want to go home. She wants to to return home, and Spongebob and Patrick are like, no, Sandy, we really want you to stay. And so it's all about uh, them doing their darndest to get her to not go away by showing her how Texas can be a part of of, her underwater life. Uh, But I really want to talk about... There's one episode, because I think that this will help us kind of analyze and pull apart what makes this show so great and what I enjoy about it. Um, And the episode is called Chocolate with Nuts. Uh, And in Chocolate with Nuts... Uh, SpongeBob and Patrick are doing that thing that you probably had to do when you were a kid, which is do some type of fundraiser. So they've decided that they're going to make a bunch of money by selling chocolate bars. Make way for a couple of entrepreneurs! Okay, Patrick, this is it. It's the first step on our road to living
0: fancy. Just follow my lead. Good afternoon, sir.
1: Could we interest you in some chocolate? So it's a whole episode about them going around and trying to kind of get rich quick by selling these, these chocolate bars to people. Um, and in the meantime, there's this character who's a con man who is trying to kind of con them out of money. And again, they're these innocent beings who are just going around trying to, uh, to, you know, just, just make some money. So, uh, there, there's there are a few parts that really just just stick with me. And it's something that like I can say around my family. And then everybody kind of joins in on the whole scene, because we all just love this episode. They come uh, up to this door, and an elderly woman answers the door. And they're like, Hey, we're selling chocolate. And there's this there's this, uh kind of older sounding voice in the background and she's like who's at the door? <laughs> and uh, the woman's like well there's somebody selling chocolate and she goes chocolate? I remember when they invented chocolate. I always hated it.
0: They're selling chocolate! They're selling chocolate! Yeah. Chocolate. I remember when they first invented chocolate. Sweet,
1: sweet chocolate. I always hated it and i that just still gets me to this very day and, <laughs> and, and what ends up happening is this woman well what i i think it's a woman she she rolls up in a wheelchair and she's literally nothing but a spinal column and a head It's <laughs> just this wrinkled thing with uh, like no eyes and it's it's talking in this voice and, and you know it's been around smoking for years um, <laughs> i've
0: been doing this for years darling
1: <laughs> exactly so i just i get so much delight out of that episode because it does it shows how there're these these uh completely innocent characters and all they're trying to do is make a quick buck and the the con man ends up you know kind of making use of the fact that they're so innocent because he he puts himself up in this uh, cast and he says he, he tells this sob story about how all of his bones are broken and his uh, bones are made of glass and so if he falls everything inside of him breaks and you know they believe him and so they end up giving him money and that kind of thing uh, but the whole time they're being chased by this man who just is shouting chocolate at the top of of his lungs did you say chocolate yes sir with or without nuts chocolate 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 Chocolate! Chocolate! they think that this guy is you know he doesn't like chocolate or that he he hates it or that you know there's something obviously wrong with him. Um, so the whole episode going along and kind of trying to stay away from this guy, but it ends up that he very much likes chocolate. And they finally find out that he wants to buy their whole supply. So kind of gets itself tied up in a nice little bow. But there are just there's so many episodes of Spongebob that it's really hard to pick a favorite. But that's one of the ones that I like. But uh, Christina, I'm curious. Um, what are some of your thoughts on Spongebob?
0: I love Spongebob. And I haven't watched as much of it. Um, I, I you know, I haven't watched it in, in a number of years. But when I see it on reruns, I'll still like, tune in, you know. So, uh, but, but I love it. I love it. I loved the movie with David Hasselhoff, you know, like that was so great. The first movie, the, not the 3D, one, but one with the original one was so good. I, I'm i with you. I love it just because of the joy I get from watching SpongeBob. And, and I was, you know, in high school when it debuted. So I was definitely too old for it, but it was one of those things that kind of like the Powerpuff Girls, like I just freaking fell in love with. And, um, I think one of my favorite episodes was, uh, for some reason SpongeBob and, and Patrick were taking care of Mr. Krabs' house and they um got paint or something yes. on his very first dollar. Yes. And and they're trying everything they can to to clean this dollar off. And my favorite one of my favorite sight gags was, you know, um uh, uh, SpongeBob goes, "Patrick, wait. We have technology and you go to, you know, the flashes to to a computer and you think that they're going to be, you know, scanning the, the the dollar into the computer, doing something with the computer to 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 you know remove the the paint. No no no, they take the computer and just start beating the hell out of the dollar with the computer.
1: Wait, SpongeBob, we're not cavemen. We have technology. It didn't work. <laughs> oh my gosh, and you just lose it. I, I. You just
0: lose it and you just crack up. And then what was very funny to me is that I worked at Best Buy in high school and college and we used to have um, terrible acronyms just like, you know, um, people enjoy our, or pe- people order our patties which was, you know, a, a poop, which was an acronym. And at the crabby,
1: at the crusty crab.
0: At the crusty crab, exactly. And and at Best Buy we had so many of those types of terrible acronyms. And, and so I I would go to those sorts of staff meetings, and I would be like, "People order our patties." Like that would just be, you know, we'd have to kind of memorize that stuff. Like it's so captured, kind of the grind of retail life. Without, I mean, obviously, people who worked on the show had to have worked in retail because they just nailed those little details so clearly. So those are some of my my favorite things. And I just, I, I, I love Squidward. Patrick is my favorite. Patrick is just, he's just so he's so dumb, but he's so wonderful. Yes. You know,
1: he's just so sweet. Yes, absolutely. And uh, there there are two points that I want to touch on one in that that episode with the paint. So yes, uh Mr. Krabs is like, yo, I want you to paint my office. And it, it seems like what they're supposed to do is take all of the stuff off the wall. But if I'm not mistaken, because okay, so th- they go in and it turns out that uh he's, he's one of these people who has just paintings and um, knickknacks and, and everything all over his walls. You know, there's hardly any open space. And so I think it's Patrick who has the bright idea that, hey, instead of um, deciding, to, instead of taking everything off the walls, let's just paint around everything. So they pull out like a, a tiny brush, and they're just supposed to be going around and it. And it ends up dripping. And so I can remember there's a part where there's a bit where they're both blowing on the drop of paint trying to get it yes. to go around all of the frames. And it's hilarious. And yet. Yeah, up getting everything, uh, or getting the, the blemish on on Mr. Crab's first dollar. But then we see this part where somehow a bubble of paint gets formed. I have no idea how that ends up happening, but this giant bubble of paint gets formed. And so you're about to have a heart attack watching, like, oh no, when it explodes, it's going to get all over everything. But then it bursts, and miraculously, because they have fire underwater, and <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants is just miraculous like that, um, the paint gets everywhere it's supposed to, except for on everything so that's the part where um, you know all of the, the wall is covered how it's supposed to be with a new color of paint but then that's whenever the blemish shows up on the dollar and they, they start to have that panic and I just think that's hilarious it's just all of these different hijinks and the way that you know they, they kind of get your emotions going in one way or the other but um, and, and I talked about this briefly in our uh, pilot episode but the, the, the part where Patrick is trying to teach Squidward how to jellyfish and he ends up shoving the, the jellyfish stick through Patrick. I mean through uh, Squidward's cast. Firmly grasp it. Firmly grasp it. And then the episode where Sp- Patrick is actually working for the Krusty Krab, and somebody keeps calling and saying, "Is this the Krusty Krab?" and he says, "No, this is Patrick." Is this a crusty crab no this is patrick uh, i'm not a crusty crab yeah so oh funny my God, yes. there are too many episodes where you can just i don't know you can just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and the the beating the beating the wall with the or beating everything with the, the computer is i don't know that is probably a good um nut graph for the show it's just a very good way to describe the the hijinks of the show and there's still you know the songs that they uh throw in every once in a while like the song for tying your shoelaces you do the loop-de-loop and pull and your shoes are looking (laughs) cool that's still in my mind um Ah. and then the episode where uh pat uh, spongebob is trying to teach um Plankton how to be a good person and how to have friends. F is for friends who do stuff together. <laughs> <And then laughs> yes. Plankton reworks the song. It's like F is for fire that burns down the whole town. Ugh, these. <laughs> you know, there aren't a lot of shows where overdone characters are enjoyable, but we can often get away with it more in animated shows. And I think that's why I like cartoons overall, because anytime I see the overdone characters in live action stuff, I always, I just kind of get uncomfortable and put off. But with a cartoon, because you're seeing this, you know, you're not seeing the person and their contorted face and all that kind of stuff as they're trying to make this character come to life. There's some and uh, en- you can get a lot of enjoyment out of of, of these overacted characters, uh, but still in a way that, you know, most of the episodes have a nice tiny bow tied on them at the end. And there are the shows like we talked about with um, The Amazing World of Gumball, where it doesn't always have to end with a bow. But I kind of like how, for the most part, SpongeBob SquarePants does. Yes.
0: I, I do too i agree with that i feel like uh, the amazing world of gumball can end without that because it's just a weird show you know and and it's a little bit shorter in length too but it's it, it's just it's a weird show and it's got that mixed media stuff that makes it work but i feel like i like that spongebob has the bow where you just know that it's over and i like that as you said there is continuity but there's not a ton of it so you can kind of jump in at any time but if you know the characters you really know what's happening and, and you can learn a little lesson it's just there's I love Spongebob.
1: Yeah, it's it's again, it's a show that has just lasted for so long and has literally gone through uh, generations in my family, uh, because my youngest brother is right past the uh, millennials uh, age. So (laughs) I guess they call those post millennials because us millennials are going to ruin the world or whatever. But anyway, yes, we are. Yes, we are. (laughs) As an
0: older millennial, uh, I I will agree with that. But no, I mean, that's what's so funny. You know, I mean, it's been on the air for 15 for 16 years.
1: And that's because it's just so doggone good. If if any of you listeners out there have not checked out SpongeBob for some odd reason or have only seen it in passing, I I uh implore you to sit down and get a chance to at least watch Chocolate with Nuts and if possible yep. watch the uh the paint episode because it is also hilarious.
0: Totally agree. Great points. So uh do you have any other favorite shows? Yeah.
1: <laughs> One more show that uh has stuck with me and that is dun 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 dun. Kim Possible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love Kim Possible. That was a great show. I'm your basic average girl, and I'm here to save the world. You can't stop me because I'm Kim Possible.
1: Yeah. So if you're wondering what the sitch is, uh, Kim Possible is this show about a high schooler who is a world, world class super spy. And she is friends with, uh, other people who are also helping her be, you know, who are her sidekicks in being a world class super spy. And there's Ron Stoppable, which if, if you can kind of, uh, it's Kim possible and Ron stoppable so of course um, Ron has a few problems with being a successful spy but doggone it he tries and he's just madly in love with Kim and is you know wanting to wanting to impress her every step of the way and he also has a naked mole rat as a pet which is named Rufus which is probably one of the most delightful parts of the show because Rufus is adorable and also uh, very skilled and often gets them out of some really bad situations and then there's Wade which is the stereotype typical shut-in character who is the nerd who um you know kind of makes all of her gadgets and is a super genius um and he throughout the whole show the gag is that wade never shows up in person so he's either driving around one of those like iPads on a on a robot on robot wheels, or he's showing up as you know, as a full on robot, or he's flying around on a drone or whatever, but he never shows up in person. And so you kind of wait the whole multiple seasons to see him show up in person. I think he shows up as a hologram at one point, And you know, you, you think that it's him, but it's not actually. So the reason that I love Kim Possible, and this kind of goes back to your mentioning of Doug is the you know, you try to find the character that you relate to. And as cliche as it sounds, I had I, I related a lot to Ron. You know, it's this kind of um, bad on his feet, uh, nerdy, but trying so doggone hard character. Would you like the grande size? <laughs> runny, runny. Sorry, Rufus. No can do. Not in this quarter's fiscal budget. What is in this quarter's fiscal budget? At this point, a quarter. Loser. <laughs> hey, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I could a grande size! you know, he ends up finding himself and finding what he's good at. And that, that works to his favor. And this is one of those shows where each episode kind of focuses on a, on a new uh, problem that they have to go take care of and they have to, you know, stop a new uh, adversary. And so that's why I like this show too, is that, you know, I, I didn't have to really care about when it was on. I could just tune in and watch Kim possible. Uh, it's like, Oh, Kim Possible's on next. Great. One of the most creepy characters uh, actually happened in season one. I believe, and, and by the way, Kim Possible ran from 2002 to 2007, so this isn't one that's stuck around, but, um, are the BBs, and the BBs are robot replicants. Ooh, who, are you? I'm BB. I'm BB. I'm BB. Is there an echo in here? They are... I can't remember who they work for, but they, you know, they they basically are just robotic drones who do the bidding of of their master. And the way that they get stopped is, um, you know, they're supposed to look beautiful as these robots, and uh, one of them gets messed up, or or several of them kind of come out um, with their skin kind of melted, their fake skin kind of melted, and they're like BBs must be perfect, and they just keep saying that over and over again, and they explode. <laughs> Be perfect like Queen Bonnie is perfect. Bibi's must be perfect. Babies must be perfect. Babies must be perfect. I have always loved the whole spy thing. I'm yeah. big into gadgets, and uh, whenever you kind of like drop that down to high schoolers doing their thing, it's super cool. And here we've got a very powerful whim- woman character as the lead I of was the show.
0: going to say I was going to say that's one of my favorite parts of the show. and it, and it's not that you can't have like I have any problem with, with shows that have like male protagonists, but I like seeing a female protagonist on a cartoon show because other than Powerpuff Girls, it's happened more frequently. Um, in, in recent years, but there's been kind of this dearth of those things. You know, you have powerful female characters, but not necessarily um, you know, the, 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 the star of the show. And, and Kim Possible, she's the star. She's the badass. She's in charge. And I love that.
1: Absolutely. And it's good for, you know, whenever we have to kind of put ourselves aside as adults and think about how uh, for the most part these shows are aimed at kids and so for kids to see that it's so incredibly important for uh young girls to uh, to not be socialized in a way that makes them feel like they're you know second rank to the the main male protagonist and again yes it is it's okay to have a male protagonist every once in a while but when you um whenever the rest of society can kind of have this underlying, let's, you know, put you down. I love whenever there's this character who... She's just so incredibly... um, I don't know. She's just so... Capable, And it's all on her own. It, there's no like, she went off and uh, got bit by a radioactive spider, or she fell into a vat right. of nuclear. No, she's just very, very skilled as a cheerleader and then a martial artist, and is also just so doggone smart and, and has, um, you know, instinct to, to do the things yes. that she needs to do.
0: And you brought up a great point that I hadn't even really remembered. She is a cheerleader. And that's great. Like, that's like, she can be both. Yeah, she can. It's like it's it's not judging her for being a cheerleader, which you also find as a common trope where it's like you either are the popular person and that's your identity, and in a lot of cases in cartoons especially, that that character is judged. Mm-hmm. You know, they're uppity. there's are this. They're to that, and that's crappy.
1: They're the mean girl.
0: They're the mean girl, and there are plenty of cheerleaders who are not mean girls. Exactly. There are plenty of cheerleaders who just. I mean, it's a it's a sport. It's a very real sport. I like that, that she is that multifaceted and that she is a cheerleader, but she's also a spy.
1: Yeah. And you know what else I love about this in the writing of it? And it's funny, as I'm talking to you about this, I'm kind of as as it seems, seems like you are, you're starting to peel back the layers and almost gain more respect for the show than I originally had even because too the writers were good enough at not only tying in all of the the problems and issues and adversaries that she had to face out in the world as a spy but then she comes back to school and she's still got to get her test turned in on time she's still got to face bonnie who is the mean girl cheerleader
0: sorry you guys but i have to go so you made no plan and now you're leaving remind us again you're the chair why trust me i'll be back in a flash right i might fill the time running down my plan Bye, bye kim you go right ahead with your important business at the dummy factory
1: and deal with the interpersonal relationships that she has with her little brothers and with her parents and, you know, being home on a school night at the right time. And then also Ron, who is, uh, you know, has an interest in her and she's trying to show that, you know, their relationship is platonic and maybe it's not. And, you know, boyfriends and, and prom and all of these things. And so I really like that, you know, they've put this this incredibly capable person in a role where she has to face two completely different tracks and deal with problems on either side. And so, I don't know, you almost feel that much stronger from watching it, no matter who you are, because it's like, uh, it's very empowering. It's like, watch how, you know, if she can do, if she can say, I mean, and of course this is a cartoon, but still, if she can save the world and she can also save her world, that's pretty awesome. And she routinely does that. And that, I don't know, that's super cool. And it, it really quickly too, a reason that I love this show is because, and I know that there are going to be some people out there shuddering, but uh, Kim Possible is the reason that I got into... Um owning pet rats uh i i looked up (laughs) i i know i know i looked up um naked mole rats first and it turns out that uh that the show is not being incredibly truthful uh in that sense because naked mole rats have they require a whole heck of a lot of care uh they can't really be exposed to a lot of light and also they are um they are. It's really weird because naked mole rats are actually like ants, um, despite the fact that they are, of course, not insects. They are like ants and that they actually form colonies and they dig giant nests. And there's like you know the the head uh, the head naked mole rat who gives birth. I mean the rat king. Yeah, exactly. The
0: naked the, the, the naked, naked mole rat, rat mole king. king. Yeah, mole rat king. Yeah. And it's
1: so interesting to me. And this is now we're getting a little bit off topic, but I just have to say this. I found that so fascinating that if you took each of the those naked mole rats and replace them with ants instead it would be literally the exact same thing you know you just you just kind of superimpose one over the other and they're they're doing the exact same thing so it's really cool that the the um the mammal is doing the same the rodent is doing the same thing that the ants do but back to the other thing so turns out and, and some of you may know this some of you may not but rats are actually hyper intelligent creatures and when it comes to small animals like smaller than a dog they are the uh, Whenever it comes to being that small, they are the closest thing that you are going to get to a companion animal like a dog or a cat. And I've had uh, probably about four uh, pet rats throughout my life. And um, the first pet rat I had, his name was Bruce, and he was a blue rat, which is like this really cool gray color that's almost blue. And I just remember... Uh, we would watch Kim Possible together and he would sit in my, my hoodie pocket and just chill out there. And every once in a while he'd peek his head out and I'd, you know, give him a little treat or whatever. And then sometimes he'd climb up and sit on my shoulder and just hang out. And he would be out of his cage for like five or six hours while we just hung out and I like did homework or did whatever. Now I'm getting all sentimental and sad because, uh, what ended up happening was, um, my family got a uh, pet feline um, and not into the, the the cat didn't actually like get in the cage or anything, but he was so afraid of the cat that he burrowed way down inside of the nest that he had created. And unfortunately he uh, suffocated, Um, but that is a, yeah, yeah, it was like, it was super sad. And so, you know, it was like, let's turn on Kim possible and try and live my life vicariously through Ron because I have no more Rufus. So
0: I, 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 I feel for you so badly and honestly that's really amazing because i never thought that i would like have feelings about someone who is telling me about their pet
1: rat <laughs> seeing so many people uh i know this is like getting so <laughs> off topic and now i'm advocating for pet rats but like so many people don't know the 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 level they wiped of- out half the population Mike. i know i know but it wasn't their fault <laughs> don't you didn't you hear that it was the fleas that climbed on the backs of the rats that were actually the cause of the Bumata yes plague. i did i did
0: but 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 the fact <laughs> they, they were
1: the buses they were the, they flea were the buses. carriers
0: they were still the <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, dear Lord. now i'm seri- uh, also living in new york where oh, we have fair i'm just saying like pizza rat <laughs> we all we all the reason pizza rat took off with the media is because we've all seen pizza rat we all have seen that rat. We're like, yep.
1: Oh yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy.
0: <laughs> We're like, like, yeah, because like, you're like walking up the star- stairs in the subway and like, you hear, you feel something whip against your leg and you're like, yeah, that was a rat tail. That was a huge rat that looks like a pet. Like that. Oh <laughs> man. Know?
1: Yeah, to yeah. be fair pet rats and new york rats are two completely different things and I'm, i
0: imagine, I imagine. <laughs> i'm pretty
1: sure there's some level of uh, teenage mutant ninja turtle blood in those uh, other there rats there
0: probably is and and also in fairness look i mean people have guinea pigs and hamsters
1: which are by the way incredibly stupid animals i'm sorry for those of you who own <laughs> hamsters are. and guinea they pigs are. but they have no brain rats actually no, like know. they have a brain but it's just a dumb brain it,
0: th- th- this this is actually very pertinent to our discussion of cartoons because because think about how many cartoon rats
1: the Rats of Nim. Have you seen that one of my one of my favorite yes. shows? I, I see. I like whenever it comes to car, animated movies, I just oh, I love that movie. But yes, you know we're going well, maybe we're gonna have to have an episode <laughs> where we talk about uh, cartoon rats. <laughs> Now that I've, I've made you somewhat of a lover of them, or at least you, you understand, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, that is why I love Kim possible because, uh, again, I, I had, you know, I felt f- for, for Ron and felt a little bit like him. And then again, it got me into some of the best pet ownership of my life before I, uh, was able to move on to owning dogs. And so yeah, that's uh Aww. that's why I quite like that show. Do you do you have any uh last thoughts on on Kim Possible or SpongeBob SquarePants?
0: Um I mean, I think they both are great shows. I I resonate more with uh with SpongeBob. I was a little bit older for Kim, although when I have seen it it's just a really great show. And I think both of them are just great examples of what you can do when you think outside of the box. Of 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 cartoon tropes.
1: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I, I think
0: that's what's unique about both of them. Like one of them is like he lives in a pineapple under the sea, the <laughs> kiss. and the other one is you know literally like this weird like you know this this girl, this high school girl
1: who has like this triple identity, and it's awesome. So awesome. So awesome. So I guess Christina, I'm curious. What uh, what cartoons have you been watching uh, these past two weeks?
0: So the show I've been really kind of watching, because uh, new episodes are still airing, and, and um, this especially happens to me on the weekends when they air like lots of new episodes, I love the show Teen
1: Titans Go. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yes, I have. Beast Boy is my all-time favorite. But yes, go ahead.
0: Beast Boy is the best, and 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 uh, I love I love that show. So it originally was a, a, a show called Teen Titans, and um, that aired on Cartoon Network in, in in the early aughts. And the same voice cast came back, and now they're like these kind of more miniaturized, more anime <laughs> versions, and they're ridiculous. And I love them. I love I love Teen Titans Go. I just think it's a really really great show i like the idea of superheroes living together in like a giant castle and, and just all the weird real world di- you know it's, it's like watching the real world but with um animated characters so unlike drawn together which was basically taking all the tropes of reality tv and dating shows and kind of making it kind of smutty and grow an adult not gross but but like adult and kind of making it ridiculous um and there's a place for that. And I enjoyed the early seasons of drawn together. Then I feel like it got too raunchy just for raunchy sake. Like, I, I'm a fan of adult cartoons, but at the same time I wanted to have substance and not just be like, ha ha ha, look, we're making cartoons do you know, raunchy things. Exactly. Um, and so <laughs> what I appreciated about, uh, you know, Teen Titans Go is that it is just, it's a fun show. It's a fun show for kids. It's a fun show for adults. And uh, frankly, you know, Marvel is kicking DC's butt in almost every single arena right now. Mm-hmm. But I think that Teen Titans go it's one of those dc properties where they like they've got it going on like it's good and 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 i, I love um i love raven right you said beast boy is like your your soulmate like raven's like mine and like the two of them together are so cute today is my special day what's so special about today <laughs> oh you like you don't know come on let's get this party started you're all doing it's a surprise style thing i love it i'll just step out of the room for a moment make it a decade Oh, getting roasted on my special day. Classic.
1: They really are, and the way that they kind of uh, battle like brothers and sisters. I will say, the one thing I personally don't care too much in in Teen Titans Go that I liked in Teen Titans, and and I I will say it adds you know it adds some some drama and it adds some uh, kind of funny hijinks, but I think personally i think they overdid it a little bit on uh on the amount of uh small man syndrome that uh oh goodness robin has you ranked second in the class second yeah it's really good
0: Oh, I was supposed to be number one. I'm the all-American boy next
1: door. Where he's like constantly whining about how he's the leader of the pack, and it just seems yes. incessant. Like, just it's it's turned up to eleven, and I just want it to be turned up to eight. Like, turn back down to eight.
0: I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But there's an episode where like uh, Batman is coming to Thanksgiving.
1: I said nobody eats until Batman arrives. Where is he going to sit? He's Batman! He sits where he likes! Oh, I haven't
0: seen that. When, when he's, like, super excited he's and he's, like, very upset, he's like, he is coming. You guys have to behave. Like, it's just, you kind of understand his psyche a little bit more because, you know, he's Robin. And... And you know the the big guy is coming, right. you know, and it's it's very funny. And and and, and I think that um, Beast Boy and Cyborg's relationship is also one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, they they, <laughs> I've I've always liked Cyborg, even in the original one, because they do kind of, uh, especially try to tie in this like man versus machine mentality and and show how you know he's kind of like trying to be more human and i think that there was one episode where he actually becomes part of the whole building and he kind of becomes evil because he has so much power he's everywhere we have to get him out of the computer what you guys talking about uh nothing after years of being half man, I'm finally a whole computer and now you want to take that away from me. And they have to appeal to his his human sense. So, um there are th- each of the characters is super dynamic and and each has their own kind of thing going on. I mean, Raven's dad is pretty much the devil. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and so you understand her whole thing. Like she's not and it's like she's goth, but she's also pretty happy when she wants to be and I like how she and Starfire bond you know it reminds me a little bit of uh the breakfast club
1: (laughs) yes uh, oh wow what a good comparison yeah absolutely
0: because it totally is it totally is like 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 alison and claire you know kind of at the end you're like oh cool all right they can be friends like that's awesome
1: not gonna lie i have an undying crush on starfire i
0: (laughs) oh yeah no because she looks just like you know like like a princess from a video game she's perfect
1: and and again there's just like this uh this happy-go-lucky thing about her
0: laugh long hard and often <gasps> Help!
1: remember whenever she gets the the pet and i can't think of silky she gets silky yes. as a pet and silky ends up becoming this this monster monstrous thing uh as it grows up because it was in like its larva stage um but she still loves it and you know she's trying to rescue it from the the man who wants to turn it into uh, a monster that will do its bidding and so i just love that about her that she's like this pure force of of good who's trying to just make everybody happy and wants everyone to to get along and just enjoy each other uh the whole group really gets along well with each other and that's i guess that might be more so or most so why i don't like the new robin is because it seems like everybody just kind of uh puts up with him and almost like laughs him off whereas in the
0: yeah in the original they they were more more friends although i have to say i do love that they kept the original voice actors oh
1: for sure absolutely like
0: to me like it would be weird to watch the show even with the different animation style It'd be weird to watch it if you didn't hear those voices. And so I feel like that's kind of like a really great thing for those of us who watched
1: both. Yeah, they they helped keep it tied in. So, so that's your recommendation for... That's
0: my recommendation. Teen Titans Go, yep.
1: Go, watch it.
0: What about you? What is your recommendation?
1: <laughs> well, my recommendation is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, and that is Pokemon! I will travel across the land searching far and wide. Because <laughs>
0: you're my best friend. Or
1: whatever. <laughs> yes, uh, oh, I, I, of course best. we're going Going to have to queue up the, the intro music because I love it so yes. much. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. To catch them is my real test, to train them is my. I will often uh, rock out to that as I'm watching episodes. So one of the main reasons I'm about to admit something very embarrassing to everybody here. Uh, one of the main reasons that I've been watching Pokemon lately and will often turn back to it is because as a kid, I was actually not allowed to watch Pokemon. Um,
0: oh, and
1: that is because is it because
0: it gave, is it because it gave Japanese kids seizures. No,
1: um, it is because my family is uh, or at least was at the time. They, they still, we all are still, uh, religious, but at the time, everyone was incredibly religious, and po- right. Pokemon is short for pocket. This is the logic. Just everybody follow this logic. Pokemon is short, or is a portmanteau for pocket monsters, and monsters are the devil. Um, so I couldn't watch the show because <laughs> monsters are the devil. Oh
0: my god. Even though it literally, oh wow. Cause I, so, Okay.
1: Yeah. So, so Pokemon as a kid, I was not allowed to watch while well, all of my friends were trading Pokemon cards and were uh, talking about the animated series and all of that kind of thing. And I felt really left out as a kid. Um, so a lot of the times the people that I'm around will still make those kinds of jokes. Not, not I mean, will you know, make references to Pokemon and, and different things that happened in the show. And so, um, Throughout the years, because it was pretty much a it was mostly an elementary school thing uh, once once middle school and, and high school hit then the uh, the incredible religiosity kind of gave way to a more a truly logical religiosity, where it wasn't like everything is the devil because it has the word "monster" in it or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, luckily, I was able to go back and watch that when I was a little bit older. But I wanted to, you know, I, I still get so much joy out of that show. I just think it's so fun the the way that these totally. these kids all launch off on an adventure together, and the way that um, they use their little. I mean, I am probably one of the as if you haven't realized that by now. I just love pets. I love all animals. Animals are incredible. I think they're fantastic, whether they be rats uh, or they be (laughs) dogs. Or I'm severely allergic to cats, like severely allergic to cats, but I still can appreciate them from a distance. Uh, So I just love pets and, and are all animals. And so this show really was like... The they train you know, they they befriend these these animals and they you know, take them under their wing and train them and yes, there is some kind of like animal abuse uh, mumblings that kind of go on every once in a while about how these you know they're trapped and da, da 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 da. But really, like it's shown with Charizard, if they didn't if they don't want to be trapped, they don't have to be. They don't have to go back in the ball and, and that kind of thing. And so right. you know, Ash especially really cares about his his um his pets and he shows too, you know, there's some times where they will put him uh Across from somebody who is terrible, and they're like pushing their uh, Pokemon all the way to the brink. And Ash is like, "Well, you know, Pikachu don't don't strike that the poor pet anymore um, because he's down and hurt. And I don't, we don't want to hurt him so bad." And you know, you, as you, anyone who's played the game knows, you just walk over to the little health center and beep, 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 and then they're healed again.
0: Being in high school and working at a video game store during the height of Pokémania. Was interesting. um, And so it gave me a different association with the show because I really liked the game because it's a great RPG. And I thought the cartoon was cute. And then I started working at the Electronics Boutique, like really right at the height of all of that. And I kind of, it, it tempered it for me a little bit. I'm not going to lie the card game especially because just the insanity over that and, and, and the adults who would come in for, it was just crazy you know like literally we'd have lines outside the door wrapped around you know, the door for people just to come and buy the maximum number of card packs they could buy. My kid
1: already has a squirtle can I peek in that pack? <laughs> yeah
0: I I need a Charizard and it's like you're not going to get a Charizard it's the most rare card and you know, whatnot and then you know we've got jungle packs we've got original packs we've got this we've got that you know and it was just really it was, it was interesting. Yeah. But, but I I, I loved the game. Um, Switch plays Pokemon was maybe one of the greatest things that's ever happened on the internet. <laughs>
1: Well, and I guess, yeah, the hype can really, I mean, that's still to this day, hype can really make, turn me off from any show, animated or otherwise, where someone. Oh,
0: yeah, no, totally. Oh. But but I think the, the 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 Pokemon show, I have to admit, you know, I, I didn't watch it when it aired originally. I mean, it aired in our store, mm-hmm. it, like we play the videos, but I mean, I was around that stuff too much and I was too old. But um, when I've caught reruns again on like a weekend morning, weekday mornings, they, they, they air Pokemon now on, on Cartoon Network. And when I wake up to it sometimes, because I go to sleep to Adult Swim and I wake up to, like, Pokemon, I'm like, you know what, this is actually a really cute show, you know? And and it was, uh, you know, a very Japanese show, but I think that they did a good, I assume they did a good job with the translation. I don't know. It feels like it was, uh, a lot was done. And, and, And yeah, you're right. You know, Ash is very caring. And you kind of care about these little, you know, personalities of all the different trainers. And they're going on these missions and they're doing these battles. But, like, you feel like they're not treating the pets or the animals, you know, whatever you want to call them, they're not treating the Pokemon as lesser beings, Right, they're not like enslaved to them, yeah. you know. And, and 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 then I also also secretly I would I love how like the inside of the Pokeball just seems like the most magical place. It's like like a genie lamp. Inside, it is. Or like 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 the you know the um uh, on Doctor Who. You know, I mean it, it's bigger it's the on same the sort of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And it, but, but but I do love how like it just seems like this magical place to be inside a Pokeball. And I'm like, you know what? I, it, I think heaven for me might be inside a Pokeball. <laughs>
1: Um, I do want to say too, and this is guaranteed to make someone shudder somewhere, but I would call it one of the most accessible animes. Um, and so people who are kind of trying to, to get into the Japanese style and, and learn about animes, I think that this is an incredibly accessible version. And I know some people might argue that this isn't an anime. But really, it, when you look at the themes and, and the, the animation and the way that the the story is told, it does have those qualities. And so I think...
0: And it started in Japan. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing was, was Japanese. I mean, it, it might not be traditional anime, but it's anime.
1: Yeah. So, ha. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Uh I mean, it's
0: anime the same way that a lot of, like, shows that I watched in the 80s I didn't realize were dubbed until later. You know what I mean? There's a sensibility about it that is very Japanese and that is very anime. might not be as overt as something like Sailor Moon, but I feel definitely, definitely I feel like it it falls in that category.
1: We can ask Simone de for. There we go. She will put down the official stamp. I'm going
0: to be with you. I'm going to be, like, I'm all in favor of, like, calling it anime. But if she says it's not, I will respect her verdict. Yeah. Um, but, but I, but I feel totally confident as a non-expert being like, yeah, totally.
1: There we go. So for now, uh, listeners, we're going to go ahead and call this an anime. You feel free to write in and let us know if you don't think it is. And the official decider of all deciders will be the lovely Simone de Rochefort, who will give us our final answer. Uh, so yes, I, I think that takes care of what we're watching. Uh, Christina, I would just like to know where can people find you online to let you know whether they think Pokemon is an anime?
0: Yes. So please send all of your Pokemon opinions to at film underscore girl on the Twitters, uh, or Instagram or, or Snapchat or whatever, and, uh, let me know.
1: Awesome. And, uh, you can, you can find me, uh, on Twitter and other places at Micah Sargent. Um, you can also find Christina's, uh, jobby job work at Mashable, and you can find my jobby job work at Newsy.
0: So once you've, uh, tweeted at us or Snapchatted us about whether or not You know, Pokemon is anime or not, you're going to want to track down the show notes for this show because we talk about a bunch of stuff and you can do that at the incomparable.com slash cartooncast slash two. And while you're there, be sure to give us a rating or a review on iTunes. It really, really helps. We're a new pod. We're trying to get started. So please rate, and review us,
1: please. Yes. And you can also follow our Tumblr at cartooncast.co where we'll be curating cartoon coolness. And you can find us on Twitter at cartoon underscore cast. That's all, folks. Good. I know a little bit more about the Jetsons than I do about Daria. Okay. I'm ashamed to say I don't know much oh. about Daria. So. I
0: know, I know, oh, I know. Thank God. Like, that is so not cool.